Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to say to the worship team, Pastor Luke, thank you so much for bringing us into the presence of the Lord through song and through your instruments. You guys do a great job each week. It certainly helps me as a pastor uh, to have God's presence because I know that when God's with us, all things become possible. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I just want to pray, God, today. This is a big one. I pray that you would give us ears to hear with our heart. God, I pray for open hearts. God, that we would be able to receive, Lord, what you're speaking to us from your word. I come against any distractions And I pray, God, that you would be glorified. And, God, that we would come out of this place stronger. God, we would be tighter, more powerful together. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are in a series this morning called Together. And it's part four, something that's really been near and dear to my heart. And... uh, If you haven't had a chance to hear any of the messages, I want to encourage you to go to our website, go online, and listen to those. If you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go and hear the message about comforting one another. Of the 56 years of my existence, yes, I am 56, time is going by fast, Uh, one of the things... uh, that I have done that probably some of you say, you do that, you've done that, uh, is little. I have knocked on thousands of doors uh, and knocked on doors of people that I have never met before. Does, does anybody, does, would that freak anybody just knocking on someone's door and uh, to have the courage to just say, hi, my name is so-and-so and, and you're going to sell something? How many... You, sell a vacuum. Anybody have the courage to do something like that? Uh, a couple of you would do that. Well, anyways, uh, I've had to knock on doors uh, for, for two reasons. One uh, is, has been to, uh, to support myself to go through college as well as my family, and I've done it for the kingdom. And uh, I want to kind of just tell you a little bit about that. Uh, I remember, I mean, I had to, uh, uh, didn't come from a wealthy family, came from a very modest family. I was responsible for my education, going to college. And, uh, and so uh, the one thing that I could do with my hands, God did not gift me in the area of building things, but he did gift me in the area of painting things and uh, became pretty good at it. And, and in college, I was working for some uh, paint crews. Uh, my brother was able to hook me up with a, with a, with a job, but when times got a little bit slow, I was the low guy on the totem pole. And so uh, it was the guys that, uh, you know, had the jobs and was there for a long time, got to work. And so I, I'd be laid off, and then I'd have, I'd have no work, and now what do I do? And so I got the idea one day. I said, that's it. I, I've got to go ahead and be able to create a steady and consistent revenue stream so I could go ahead and get back to school. So I had this idea. I said, I'm going to go ahead and knock on doors. I didn't have the money to advertise. I couldn't go in the yellow pages. Couldn't go in the want ads. Uh, There was no internet back at that time. Anything like that. So I I had this idea to go ahead and put together a flyer. And 
And, and I asked my mom, who was a little bit artistic, and I said, Mom, I, I've got an idea. And it came from John chapter 6. The name of my paint company was going to be called Seal of Approval Paint Company. And it came, and it talked about Jesus' seal of approval, or God's seal of approval was on this. So my mom put, uh, put in, in a circle, there was this seal uh, swimming in the water with waves, and it was carrying a flag, and it said, yay. And uh, <laughs> it was the cheesiest thing in the world. And so, uh, and I didn't have that much money to go ahead and print out, you know, thousands. I was, I was going to go ahead and just put it there by the mailboxes. So I, I made a decision. I am just, I, I was so, I was desperate. I needed money. So I was going to ring the doorbell or knock on the door and hi. And this was my line. Uh, this is what the Lord gave to me. Hi, my name is Mike Rarick. I'm from Seal of Approval Paint Company. Uh, is there anything that I can help you out with on the inside or outside of your home? Uh, not too threatening, okay? And uh, so my very, in fact, uh, the, I started in my neighborhood, gave it a trial run, and uh, lived in a pretty decent neighborhood at that time. And my first job, first person that, that said yes, I knocked about 10 doors, and all of a sudden, I, I ring the doorbell. This lady comes. I said, hi, I'm Mike Rick. I'm from Seal of Approval Paint Company. Uh, is there anything? Yes! And she begins to cry and weep. Uh, yes, I need my house painted. And uh, she says, my husband uh, left me a, a couple months ago, and uh, my house is bro- you know, broken down, and, and, and he left me, and, and I'm hurting, and, and all this. And I'm going, what? in the world am I supposed to do in this situation? So, uh, so we got her calmed down. I gave her an estimate. She says, come on, go ahead and do it. And, and out of that, that door knocking and ringing, ringing the bell, uh, not only did I get to make money, but it was the first person that out of many people that I did paint jobs for that I got a chance to lead to Christ. And uh, uh, it, my first job is so, so special, this job. I mean, she came to Jesus. I mean, really was touched by God. Started going to church, and I went back to college, and uh, and, and, and then she, she came, okay, uh, to our wedding and to our reception. Her name was Joanne, and uh, so God was just absolutely good. So, I mean, through the years, I mean, and then even as a pastor, there'd be times of leanness or whatever, or if we, we needed some, some work to be done on the mouth for the dentist, there was never enough money. How many understand there's never enough money for the dentist, okay? Where do you, how do you pay the dentist bill, okay? You knock on doors for paint jobs, okay? I had to do that. And then uh, uh, knocked, and I remember I spent a whole summer, uh, five to eight hours a day with a team, and we were in the inner city of D- Detroit, and we were doing a, a survey, and uh, and we would come and knock on the door, ring the doorbell and say, hi, we're, my name is Mike and, and we're doing a survey. We're wondering, can we ask you the two most important questions of life? And they go, well, well yeah, you know, what is the most important question of life? And our question was this, if you were to die today, would you know for certain that you would be in heaven with God? There was either a yes, no, or I don't know. And then we would follow up that question. They say, well, suppose you did die today and God were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? And because of that, uh, we got a chance to talk and share the gospel. Literally led over a thousand people to Christ that summer. It was absolutely awesome. Was privileged to be a part of that. 
But one of the things I noticed through all the, through the years that I've, I've knocked on doors, there's been a lot of doormats that say welcome. And, uh, and you know that word welcome, uh, you know, it means that you are, you are gladly received into my home. And I was kind of just looking, and I saw some really hilarious and funny different welcome mats and signs by the front door. And, I, and I, last night I went on, uh, on the internet and kind of Googled, uh, you know, welcome mats. And, and, and I came across some of these, and I've seen some of these before as I knocked on doors. I want you to take a look at, at here's one of the, hi, my name's Matt. Uh, <laughs> this one, I've met a lot of dogs, beware of dog, Okay. Friends welcome relatives by appointment, okay? <laughs> Nothing is, is inside worth dying for, so uh, all right. I love this one. We love our vacuum. We found God and we gave at the office. Thank you, okay. <laughs> welcome, but just don't expect much. <laughs> So uh, I, I love this. Welcome conveys that you are joyfully welcomed in. And I want to just kind of share something here this morning. I pray that you catch this here today. God has a spirit of welcome. The Bible calls it hospitality, where, where God says, I welcome you into my family. In fact, I want you into my family. In fact, He's, in fact, instead of you knocking on his door, he's knocking on your door and saying, let me in and let me come into your heart. God wants us to have what I call a spirit of hospitality. The Bible calls it hospitality. In fact, hospitality was a major tenet of the, of the together, of the one another's. Last week or a couple weeks ago, we started off week one. The Bible really clearly says it time and time again, to love one another. Week two, we talked about that we're to encourage one another. Last week, we talked about comforting one another. So the question is, when you look at loving one another, encouraging one another, and comforting one another, the question is, can we do that in a, in a setting like this? Yes, and no, but it's very limited in a corporate context. How can we do those things? How can we, how can we love one another, encourage one another, and, and, and comfort one another, especially during the difficult moments of life? Uh, four years ago, we made a decision that on a practical level, if we're going to do these one another's, we're going to have the together moments that we're going to go ahead and carve out time so we're, we're not going to have a midweek service, but where homes will be opened to where people can be encouraged, they can be prayed for. Uh, and it's not just about, you know, uh, you know, having a Bible story, but it's about connecting in the area of relationships. And so the Bible is very clear about the one another's, okay? It's, it's part of how we do church. And a lot of times we think of church, it's hearing the preacher preach and, and the song leader lead in the area of songs, and that is church. And, 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 and by the way, that is a part of church, but that's not the only way that we do church. It's the one another's. Does anybody say amen to that? Now, the, the, now here's, I want you to see something. When in fact, Alex, go ahead, put this on the screen. When there is a breach 
in the horizontal, I call them the one, the one another's, the relationships, okay? When there's a breach in that, there is a breach in the vertical relationship with God. When, 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 when individuals uh, are, where that's, uh, they call themselves Christians, followers of Christ. This is, in fact, this is what we do. We follow Christ. Jesus lived this. And, and we're not loving one another. We're not, we don't have any kind of form of encouraging anybody. We're not comforting people. We're not helping them out, whatever. There is a breach, okay, in our relationship with God. Doesn't mean I'm not telling you that you're backslidden. I'm not telling you that you're going to hell. But I'm telling you, you're missing something when it comes in your relationship with God. Let me take you to a scripture. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says, The one who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. So love is, is, we know it's much more than saying, hey man, I love you man. It's something that's very practical. And I believe this, the enemy wants the church to be disconnected from one another because he realizes that when, when, when churches are, are disconnected from one another, it diminishes our relationship with God. And we're not as close as God as we possibly can be. We can get closer to God as we get closer to one another. These two are totally connected to God. 1 Peter chapter 4. And I'm going to show you here this morning how hospitality connects us together on a very practical level. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers over a multitude of sins. Does anybody ever experience that? You know what I'm talking about? It says, love covers over a multitude of sins. And then he goes on, he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Interesting. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 9 from the New Living Translation says it this way. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Interesting. Is your home open for brothers and sisters, okay, who need a meal, who, who, who show up at your doorstep or in need? The Bible says, I mean, offer hospitality. Verse 9, let me read it to you from the Amplified. It expands it. It says, practice hospitality to one another. This is talking about the brothers and sisters. Those of the household of faith, be hospitable. Be a lover of strangers with brotherly affection for the unknown guest, the foreigners, the poor, and all others who come your way who are of Christ's body. And in each instant, Do it ungrudgingly, cordially, and graciously without complaining, but as representing him. Is anybody a candidate for representing Jesus? One of the best ways that we can represent Jesus is being a a person that welcomes people into our homes as well as welcoming people into our lives. And by the way, hospitality is different than entertaining. In her book called Open Heart, Open Home by Karen Maines, she describes hospitality and entertainment this way. She says, entertaining says, quote, I want to impress you with my home, my clever decorating, 
my cooking. Hospitality seeking to minister says, quote, this home is a gift from my master. I use it as he desires. Hospitality aims to serve. Entertaining puts things before people. Quote, as soon as I get the house finished, the living room decorated, my house cleaning done, then I will start inviting people. Hospitality puts people first. Quote, no furniture. We'll eat on the floor. The decorating may never get done. You come anyway. The house is a mess, but you, our friends, come home with us. Entertaining subtly declares, this home is mine. An expression of my personality. Look, please, and admire. Hospitality whispers, what is mine is yours. Mm. That's what God wants to begin to do in our heart. What is mine is yours. He wants us to have that kind of spirit. He wants us to have the spirit of welcome. And by the way, this is a word, okay, not just welcome. It's just not a pleasantry, but it has substance and warmth behind it. I was reading a book by Max Licato called Outlive Your Life, and he put it this way. I want to read to you a couple stories, by the way, but I want you to see how he sees uh, uh, the spirit of being hospitable and being welcome. He says, long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. Even a casual reading of the New Testament unveils the house as one of the tools and the primary tool of the church. The primary gathering place of the church was the home. Consider the genius of God's plan. The first generation of Christians was a tinderbox of contrasting cultures and backgrounds. At least 15 different nationalities heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Jews stood next to Gentiles. Men worshiped with women. Slave and masters alike sought after Christ. Can such people of such very backgrounds and cultures get along with each other? We wonder the same things today. Can Hispanics live in peace with Anglos? Can Democrats find common ground with Republicans? Can a Christian family carry on a civil friendship with the Muslim couple down the street? Can divergent people get along? The early church did. Without the aid of sanctuaries, church buildings, and seminaries, they did through the clearest of messages, the cross, and the simplest of tools, the home. Not everyone can serve in a foreign land, lead a relief effort, or volunteer at the downtown soup kitchen, but who can be hospitable? Do you have a front door, a table, chairs, bread and meat for sandwiches? Congratulations, you have qualified to serve in the most ancient of ministries, hospitality. Something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the back of heads. Around the table, you see the expression on faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock. Around the table, there is time to talk. Hospitality opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident that hospitality and hospitable 
come from the same Latin word, for they both lead to the same result, healing. When you open your door to someone, you are sending this message. You matter to me, and you matter to God. You may think you are saying, come over for a visit, but what your guest hears, I'm worth the effort. Amen, Max Licato. You agree with that? Say amen. God wants us to have the spirit of welcome in our life that has substance and warmth behind it. God wants us to do this. And the question is, why does God want us to have this kind of spirit resting in his church and in his people? Here it is. And I want you to write this down because it's not really, it's not too hard to find out. Here it is. Why does God, hospitality attacks our selfishness. Some of you are thinking about opening up my home. Yeah, right. Okay. There's reasons why you are saying that, but I want to tell you one of the main reasons why you're saying that is because of selfishness. Folks, all of us here in this room has a part of us, it's called the flesh. And your flesh is selfish. It's about me, myself, and I. And we struggle with it every single day. The answer to that is the cross and welcoming people into our lives. God wants to do that work in our heart. So Paul and Peter, even though their ancient church was practicing this, they still needed encouragement in, in their lives in this area to practice. I want, to, I want you to see a couple of scriptures. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially to those in the family of faith. I want you to understand this. Do not forget this. God is bringing people across your path and my path. And those people, a lot of times there will be people that were, they're in need. And we're going to go through a test. And God says, I wonder if my spirit is on you. I wonder if my love is on you and in you. And, and, and he says, when there's an opportunity, he says, he says pounce on that. Take advantage of those that, that have it, and you can go ahead and meet it and do it. But then he says something really interesting, especially to those of the family of faith. So that means that when we see needs amongst brothers and sisters, I, I become aware of something, you become aware of something. God wants you and I to respond to that. That's one of the ways that we do church, and that's something that is very pleasing to God. And so God's calling us to reach out to one another, and it starts in the area of relationships. Romans chapter 12, verse 13, God, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them always be eager to practice hospitality. And I can say this, there are a number of people that are really doing well in this area. And uh, what, what, is, what is yours, uh, what you have in your possession, you share and you give well. And God is well pleased with this. But there's a number of us here in this area, you're not really doing too well. And God wants to do something in your heart. I'm going to give you five reasons this morning here in just a few moments why you want to begin to practice hospitality. Let it to become a part of your life. Verse 13 from the Amplified Bible in Romans chapter 12 says this. Contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessities of the saints. Pursue the practice of hospitality. 
So this is something that God wants us to go after. So if you are not doing this right now, it's not a part of your life, I want to encourage you to begin to pray about this. Say, Lord, I'm just becoming aware of this right now, but Lord, I want to practice this because this is a way I can show you that I love you. Hospitality has the ingredients of addressing needs that show up at your doorstep. Okay, not just at your home, but at the doorstep of your life. You become aware of a need, and God says, here it is. What are you going to do about this? Now, I want you to, in order to really understand this here this morning, you've got to go back to the Bible and understand this, this concept and this practice and this tenet of what is called hospitality. Back at this time, people did not have places to where there were inns and motels and hotels. In fact, they were very rare. There were no fast food places. And if you were a traveler, you were absolutely dependent on the hospitality of others. You were, you were dependent upon their hearts. You were dependent upon their homes. You were dependent upon their cupboards to help you out, especially if you were a person that was on the run or you were going through persecution. You were a believer. If you were a, a, a Christian and you wanted to be a pastor, you wanted to be a leader in the church, 1 Timothy chapter 3, one of, the, one of the qualifications, you had to have this in your You had to do well in the area of hospitality. If you were a widow and you were in need, they would put you on a list. But they say that widow cannot even be considered to be even put on a list unless she was a person that had a reputation for walking and hospitality. It was that important to the church. He says, they don't get help. He says, if they don't get that, have that spirit, we're not helping them out. And so what God is saying is that Christian relationships and fellowship is more than a handshake, more than a hug, more than a pat on the back, more than a God bless you. It's more than that. In fact, that's part of it. That's part of hospitality. When my wife walked into a church, into an Assembly of God church, uh, and she had been going to a Catholic church, uh, and, and for those who come from Catholic backgrounds, understand no one I'm talking about, but she said, I was just absolutely amazed and blown away of how friendly and nice the people were at that church. They, so, they, they, they were, without even being told, she says, we were greeted, we were welcomed. People were saying hello to us, and, 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 and it just made her feel loved. But, but there's more to that than just saying hello. It's addressing and meeting the needs as possible and appropriate, even to people you don't know or don't know well. One of the marks of the early church was selflessness, not selfishness. Acts chapter 4, you can write this there in your notes. Acts, I want you to see something. The early church, all the believers were united in heart and mind. Man, what a day this was. Look at this. This is, by the way, this is where communism came from. It says, and they felt that, they, that what they owned was not their own. Okay? So they shared everything they had. They were shared in amongst one another. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. And there were no needy people among them. Why? Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? This was what the early church was like. 
I mean, they were so concerned about their brothers and sisters that were in need, that were suffering or whatever. They say, what is mine is now yours. Communism never works because that's something that is forced upon people. But this was something that was done from people's hearts. I want to be able to bless you. I want to be able to love you. I want to be able to encourage you. Therefore, I'm going to give you what you need. So this morning, I'm going to look at, I want to talk to you about five reasons why, why hospitality is such a big deal. Number one, it shows, write this down, that you love Jesus. And I think we all here in this room want to be able to say to the Lord that we extravagantly love Jesus. Here's one of the ways that you could show that you extravagantly love Jesus. Matthew chapter 25, verse 35. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Practically speaking, hospitality shows that you love and care for Jesus as you see needs around you. Hospitality is showing how you treat Jesus. So number one, shows you love Jesus. Number two, why is welcoming such a big deal? It's a way to hear God's voice in your life. Does anybody need to hear something from God? I'm talking about you're, you're looking at your future. You're wondering, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? Okay, you need direction in your life. I want you to see something right here. Hebrews chapter 13. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Wow. Anybody believe in angels? Oh, I do. Okay. Now, I want you to underline this word angel, okay? Uh, in, the, in the Greek right here, there's two different uh, meanings right here. Literally, it means an angelic being, okay? Also, the second meaning behind it was it was a king's messenger. So when a king wanted to go ahead and send a message out, he would have a messenger and bring it to a person. Now, I want you to catch this. This is really, really important, okay? God God sometimes sends special messages, gives direction for our life in the context of hospitality. That means when people have that spirit in their life, and it's, and it's not just every once in a while, but it says, God, everything that I have, you know, for my brothers, I'm, I'm willing to, Lord, to share it. I'm willing to share my life with them. God says, you know what? I love you. And I'm, I, I got your back. And sometimes God sends a messenger to us in, in the form of hospitality. So homes and lives that are open to other people, God says, I'm going to sp- send a message to you. Number three, it brings blessing. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 19. When you are harvesting your crops... Don't forget to bring, and you forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your fields. Don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, the orphans, and widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. He says, you got extra? 
and, and, and some other people need it. He says, go ahead and give it to them. He says, when you do that, he says, you're going to be blessed. Jesus put it this way in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. When he said this, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So we set ourselves up for God's blessing in our life when we're willing to give of our lives and of our possessions to one another. Number four. It touches lives and opens them up to God. Hospitality, when we welcome in strangers, when we welcome in people, when we welcome in our neighborhood friends into our homes and and welcome people maybe that we've even never met before, it, it, it sends a clear message that God loves them and God can change their life. Let me read to you a story I came across about the power of hospitality. A seminary student drove about 30 miles to church every Sunday morning, and he would frequently pick up hitchhikers. Anybody ever picked up a hitchhiker before? Okay. How many are scared to pick up hitchhikers? Come on, raise your hand. Just say, I, I, I'm not picking up a hitchhiker. I don't know, you know, who they are. You know, they may be an axe murderer or something like that, okay? Listen, I used to hitchhike a lot in my early days, okay? When I was going to college and I was broke, I didn't have a car. I went through a season about three or four months. I did not have a car. Literally, every single day I had to hitchhike about 20 miles back and forth from college. And boy, I, I mean, God was faithful. I got rides. I got picked up by some very interesting people. Uh, woo! Even some Christians. And I didn't know the Lord. I was not saved at this moment in my life. I remember uh, uh, one time, I, 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 this guy, uh, real short haircut. I mean, he's, he's wearing uh, like, uh, like a shirt and a tie. And uh, he starts sharing with me about God. And all of a sudden, he breaks out into this song and into this mighty. And, and, and I'm just going, I'm looking at who in the world. I, I was about, I got to get out of this place. Okay. <laughs> now, as a result of that, uh, through the years, uh, when I got saved and born again, and I had a car, I was picking hitchhikers up left and right because I was one of those people. So, uh, Anyways, he says, here he is. Uh, he's in the car with this guy. He says he picked up hitchhikers frequently. He says one day he picked up a young man who noticed, he says, that I was wearing a suit. And he asked, he says, can I go to church with you? He says, are you going to church? He says, of course you can come to my church. And the stranger came to church and afterward was invited over to one of the members' home for lunch and fellowship. That's a very good thing to do. How do I practice hospitality? You see a visitor, a guest here Sunday morning, you don't know them, invite them out uh, uh, to your home. Invite them out for lunch on Sunday morning. Last church that we came from, Kingsway Christian Center, uh, our second visit there, we met people right there. Hey, and, and they had no idea that I had been a pastor before. We were out of the ministry for a short period of time. Come on out, we're going out to dinner. And they bought for us as well. I had, I think, four or five kids, and I, I was very appreciative at that moment. So, so uh, he says, so the, so the stranger came to church and afterward was invited to, to come to one of the members' home for lunch and fellowship. And while there, he received a hot bath, some clean clothes, and a hot meal. In conversation with the youth, 
His host found that he was a Christian, but he had been out of fellowship with the Lord. So he was backslidden. He had been a follower of Christ at one point. His home was in another state, and he was just passing through on his way back. Later in the evening, they bought him a bus ticket and sent him on his way. A week later, the seminary student received a letter from the hitchhiker and clothed with the letter with a newspaper clipping with the headlines reading, Man Turns Himself In for Murder. This young man had killed a teenage boy in an attempted robbery had been running away from the law for some time. But the kindness and hospitality of Christians had convicted him. He wanted to be in fellowship with God, and he, and he knew he needed to do the right thing about his crime. Little did those Christians know that by their faithfulness to show hospitality, they had influenced a man to do what was right, and in God's eyes, and thereby help restore him to fellowship with his Lord. Good story, amen? That's the power of hospitality. I mean, we can bring people to Christ. One of the greatest ways from what I heard of bringing a Muslim to Jesus, okay, and, 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 and become a follower of the Lord is just by simply opening up your home and feeding them and welcoming them in. Now, I know that we don't have very Muslims here in Citrus County, but if I meet someone that's a Muslim, I want to welcome them in to my home. Number number. Five, okay, why is welcoming such a big deal? It leads to personal miracles. How many, how many could say, I need a miracle in my life? If you do, uh, it's not there in your notes, but I'm going to read to you from 1 Kings chapter 17. I want you to write this down. In fact, I want to give you an assignment this week because we all need to experience God's power in our life. And, and there's people in here saying, man, I would love to experience something in a powerful way in God's, God in my life. I want you to see that it's the story about the widow of Zarephath. And I want to read to you, uh, go down with me. It's about the prophet of Elijah. Now, the context here of what's going on, there was a famine in the land. No rain. I mean, it was really difficult times. Elijah moves away from, from Israel, and, and, he, and he's far away from his land. And it says, he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, verse 10, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called her and asked, would you bring me a little jar, a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, and bring, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for my, myself and my, my son that we may eat it and die. She said, this is it. I mean, it was, it was desperate times. She's a single mom. And Elijah said to her, listen to the audacity of this prophet. He says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small cake of bread for me and for, for me and from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. 
For this is what the, what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. And she believed him. And she did what he said. And so she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken to Elijah. In Luke chapter 4, verse 26, Jesus brings up this story about this widow and Zarephath. There had been many widows in that land at that time. She was not a, 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 a Jew. She was not a follower of the Lord, but she meets a holy man. She meets a prophet of God, and she responds to this guy's need. Something inside of her says, you know what? I, I know there's something different about him. I'm going to go ahead, even though I'm in extreme need right now, I'm going to, by faith, go ahead and take care of his need. She believed his word. And what she was doing, she was practicing hospitality, and what came her way was a miracle. I bring this up here this morning to those who maybe even single moms that are here today are going through some desperate times and you're, you're, you're having to fend for your, for your family and, and, and take care of the bills and you've got to take care of the kids and you're doing double duty. I, my heart goes out to you. I, I pray for single moms here a lot uh, because of, of, of the challenges that, that you're faced with. But I want to say to, the, to those that are in that predicament, okay, you're in that predicament, I want you to join the widow of Zarephath, okay, and to be generous with your finances, to be generous with your time, even though he said, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but when the Holy Spirit is prompting you, you listen to him because he will work miraculously in your life. And, and God honors the person, and God honors the people. God honors the church that puts God's first. This is why we tithe. We give the first fruit. He says, take care, take care of the man of God and watch God take care of you. I don't know if you need a miracle here today, but if you do, and you don't practice hospitality, let it get inside of your heart and watch God begin to do something in your life. So here's a question that I wrote here at the bottom of my notes. What is Mike Rarick and the rest of God's people here at Calvary Church, what are we going to do with a message like this? On a practical level, okay, that was good. But what do we do with this? Here it is. God has given us a, a framework. He's given us a, a way to express hospitality, and it happens in a church. Now, on Sunday mornings, you know, we can say hello. We can do the warm, friendly, greet one another, and that's wonderful. But God wants us to take this outside, and he wants, he wants us, number one, to be connected. And I, and I say to the person or the, the people that are here today that are not connected relationally with any brothers and sisters, begin to do that. How can you do that? Get involved in a life group that meet throughout the week. There's a number of different groups that meet uh, different days, different evenings, different interests. Uh, women's, men's, all kinds of areas to where you can meet with God's sons and daughters, your brothers and sisters. That's, that's how you can begin to practice. Number two, here's, I, I, I want to say to those that are going to a life group and you've been the beneficiary of, of, of being in the home, I want to tell you, the hero 
those in this church are what I call the life group leaders because here's one of the common things. Not only are they leading it, okay, giving instruction and leadership, to, but many of them are opening up their own homes. Most of the leaders uh, are, are opening up their own homes. Come on into my house and you are welcome. Here's what I want to say to those who are going to the, to the life groups. Why don't you go ahead with that? And no one came up to me. Why don't you go ahead and volunteer and say, my home is open also to the rest of the group. I want you at my place. And you say, well, well, my place really isn't that nice. Who cares? We're talking about hospitality, not entertaining. Amen? So I want to encourage for those who've been beneficiaries, open up your home and say, come on, brothers. Man, I, I, I'm not going to let my, my brother and sisters who's hosting this, I'm not going to let the burden just totally be on them. Number three is I make a decision today to say, Lord, what you've given to me, Lord, I recognize it comes from you. What is mine? Lord, I'm willing to go ahead and share it or even give it away, Lord, for who you direct me to. Because God, if I have selfishness in my life, and there is, Lord, God helped change my heart.